G'day you mob, Pete here from Aussie English. Welcome to this episode of The Goss, the episodes where I sit down with my old man and we have a chat, a discussion about the week's news, current affairs, everything like that. Interesting stuff that's come up, whether in Australia or elsewhere in the world, that we think having a chat about is going to help you improve your listening comprehension, widen your vocab, everything like that. You'll also get to learn about our opinions on these things, obviously, too, and hopefully form your own. Remember, you don't have to agree with us. Just use us as a way of, you know, developing your own thoughts and opinions on these topics. Anyway, today's episode is all about Australia's largest predators, which are dingoes on the mainland and Tasmanian devils in Tasmania. And they have recently been moved to a location north of Sydney. So, something's going on there in the works where we may see Tasmanian devils released into the wild in Australia, though- I don't know if they'll be called Tasmanian devils anymore if they are on the mainland. That's a question for you. What what do you call a Tasmanian devil that's found near Sydney? Anyway, guys, without any further ado, smack the bird. Let's get into it. Yeah, um, that was puppies and kittens, even though it was birds, uh, part one. Puppies and Kittens Part 2, and this one's old. This one, um, well, old in a sense. I think the story came out about, hang on, what's the date? 21st of September, where a dingo pup was found in yes. northeastern Victoria. Alpine dingo. Um, and um, it was DNA tested and found to be pure alpine dingo, which currently, I mean, you're the taxonomist. I'm not, and you're probably not a you know, dog dingo taxonomist, taxonomist but- um, currently, I believe that the alpine dingo is separated as a different species, certainly subspecies. Um, I'd have from, to look into it. I haven't seen the studies. Yeah, I saw the news. They're talking about it as a pure species. This is this story, is where it gets so hard to sort of a species argue, concept. At that point, is you know, it's irrelevant. It's a human yeah. co- construct anyway. But well, and I, we can talk a bit about dingoes because it ties in with a story I want to mm. I want to tell you next. But um, they arrived here, I think. Within the last four and a half thousand yeah, years, between four and six thousand years ago, they originally thought they'd come through Southeast Asia, through Indonesia and Papua New Guinea. But I think more recently, the, the research has shown that they came through a migration of people from India mm. that happened about four and a half thousand years ago. Because indigenous people here in Australia have Indian DNA in them, yeah, um, that, that shows there was at least one event of migration, and that tends to coincide with the oldest date of of dingo. Um, you know, evidence in Australia, right. which also coincides with a lot of these mainland predators like the thylacine mm-hmm. and Tassie the Tassie devil, devil and- disappearing off the mainland and, and then only being found in Tasmania. But the difficulty is, I think, when you have a species that is effectively invasive, that's been in a place for four and a half thousand years max, and the- ecological system has kind of reached equilibrium yeah. where there, there is a lot of destruction that's been done in terms of species going extinct. But then that species that's invaded, the dingo's kind of taken the place of something yes, like the thylacine. the new ecosystem. And yeah. is now the top predator. And so, I think a big issue that we have in Australia, especially from state to state, is that we have different laws that, that either protect or don't protect dingoes. So, some will, some states will say they're wild dogs and you can just shoot any dog you see, just kill them all, bait them all. You know, they're a pest, they're a problem for yep. livestock. And then other states will say, actually, you can't shoot them at all um, because they're, you know, native animals. So, it would be the same as you killing a kangaroo or something with no permission yeah. to do so. Um, 
but that's the trouble we end up with. And I think the other interesting stuff where dingoes, regarding dingoes, is that they had, since European colonization on the mainland, intermingled so much with just feral dogs yes. that we just assumed that they were no longer pure dingoes anyway. Yeah, and and that complicates the argument again even further mm. as to whether as or not you can serve are. these animals. Exactly. But the And to sort of go even further, when I was chatting to, um, you know, Ewan Ritchie from Deakin University who studies dingoes, he's kind of like, if it looks like a dingo and acts like a dingo, what does it matter? Mm. So, if you do have feral dogs that have interbred with dingoes, but now those animals are now acting dingoes. as yeah. dingoes in terms of their ecology and how they behave with the environment, does it matter if they're mm. feral dogs or not, right? Because they're just feral dogs 4,000 years later. But the interesting thing was that I think it was Fraser Island when you took me there. Yeah. Was that when I was 12? 2000. 13. Um, they're the, the last pure um, dingoes that we knew about. At least, you know, from, from Australia, because they there had been no feral dogs introduced, I think, into, you know, the biggest sand never, island there in the world. There's never been right? a viable population of feral dogs yeah. on Fraser Island. Yeah, yeah, so, that was the sort of thing that we thought, at least until recently, until I saw this story, that there are no purebred dingoes on the mm. mainland. But, obviously, um, new research has shown that um, the alpine dingo in southeast Australia- Alpine because it lives in the mountains, lives in the mountains. high up and yeah. it's a lot, not, I wanted to say woolier, I would say furrier, <laughs> yes. right? Like the fur is a lot denser. Yeah, it's bigger dog, um, furrier. Thicker. And it's mm. um, regardless of whether we call it a species or a subspecies or a breed or whatever you want to call it. It's a unit. Uh, a unit. It can be measured. The, the alpine dingo was distinctly different from every other dingo in Australia. And it was always perceived as being the purest other than the Fraser Island ones because yeah. of its- Effective isolation because um, the most of the alpine areas in Victoria and southern New South Wales, even though there are little sort of fingers of agricultural land throughout them, um, are effectively isolated from large human populations and therefore large dog populations. So there had not been a lot of interbreeding, but that had appeared to have broken down. And the hypothesis was that, well, eventually they have just been diluted. Their DNA, yes. you know, the uniqueness of their DNA had just been diluted. But this one was ironically the second one that's been found in two years. There was one found a year ago, which is possibly a more interesting story than this one. This one is really interesting because it... Uh, it reinforces that there is clearly at least, and these were a hundred and I think they were three hundred something kilometres apart. But, but when they so say they found, the what do they mean? Is in captured or is in? Well, is- this 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 one apparently was just found on a road um, <laughs> as a puppy, as a puppy, random. Um, and uh, yeah, who knows? It might have been rolled over by a car or something. Yeah, it was found on a road. The other one was dropped out of the sky. It literally dropped out of the sky into a farmland. That was the thing and that they, I heard. And was the like, was that, yeah, a, and was the that theory a is metaphor? That a wedge tail, no, the theory is that a wedge-tailed <laughs> eagle got it. Really? And and dropped it. Jesus. And didn't come back to get it. So, Did it uh, have injuries? I presume so. But, um, yeah, I don't know whether it survived or whatever, but it was- yeah. It's one of the-, the where The it genetics was, did. Yeah, the genetics <laughs> survived. The DNA survived. Um, and so, that was a year ago. And people thought, oh, this is unique. And now it's not unique. And because they were so far apart, it's unlikely they were from the same breeding population. So, there are at least two, if not a continuous breeding population of them in yeah. northern Victoria, well, which is cool. It's so. it's very weird because it, be like, it would be like you having, you know, a different species of kangaroos found in America that's completely different from the Australian version. And that when Europeans or, yeah, 
maybe Britain's a better example in Britain. And when Europeans came to Australia, they brought with them kangaroos yeah. that could interbreed with the local kangaroos. Exactly. And you let all those kangaroos go, they end up, you know, spreading across the entire continent. And then later you find in a specific area that you have a population of native Australian kangaroos that have never interbred with these introduced kangaroos despite them being there. Because you would imagine in the Alpine regions, there's going to be dogs yeah. that get in there at some point, yeah, exactly. enough to at least interbreed with, right. with the dingoes. So, it's interesting if there's maybe something going on. But it is so dilute that there's yeah. no detectable DNA differences between but them. But we know that there's, what, 3 to 7% Neanderthal DNA in humans of course, from yeah. 25 well, plus thousand yeah, years ago, the, right? That's, that's uniquely Neanderthal. Yeah. Uh, there's 95% chimpanzee. DNA in humans. Our yeah. DNA is 95%. But I mean, same. detectable yeah, for the I Neanderthal. Know. Like, yeah. that's interesting enough. But to, and that happened, you know, four or five times longer ago. So it's crazy yeah, if that's that 20,000 years ago. Yeah, or more. Yeah. But the, the thing this sort of tied in with was the Tasmanian devils that have recently been released into a security population mm-hmm. in Sydney, mm. outside of Sydney. I think it was, where was it? Barrington Tops, yeah, 3.5 hours north of Sydney. Yeah. So they. After 3,000 years of the Tasmanian devil going extinct on the mainland, which I assume happened sort of simultaneously with the thylacine, there were apparently five species of thylacine on the mainland. They all went extinct, the Tasmanian tiger, I guess we would call it today. Um, And so, because of the contagious facial tumour um, disease issue that's sort of been plaguing Tassie devils and has reduced their numbers down- you know, from 150,000 in the 90s to 25,000 today in Tasmania. Mm. Since I was doing, I think, probably my master's, people like you and Richie, who I've interviewed on the podcast, go check him out, have been pushing for trying to get a a population of Tasmanian devils that are free of this disease, this, this contagious cancer that is effectively caused. It appears on the face, and because Tassie devils- um, interact with one another by aggressively biting each other's faces. They yeah. cause wounds and the cancer ends up spreading and stops them yeah, from it's eating a, it's a rapidly. Cancer. Yeah. And they end up dying, you know, from starvi- starving, starvation. But they've introduced 26 of these little carnivorous mammals into a 400 hectare, 1,000 acre sanctuary at Barrington Tops. And they're hoping to grow this this mm. breeding program yeah. and then have a security population. But I hope also that they end up releasing them back into the wild because yes. they're mm. a big control in terms of foxes and cats because they and pick rabbits. up they pick up all the yeah. carry-on. So, yeah. any of these animals that die, they probably go after rabbits. But any of these animals that die, you often see in Tasmania, I think, sides oh, of the road. Tasmania is the roadkill capital of the world. They'll be eating all the roadkill. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be interesting a, to see how it goes. It will. I think there's a population, and I can't remember, it might be Mariah Island, uh, it might be another island off yeah. the coast of Tasmania. It brings about uh, that there are, there's another security population yes. that was being yeah. released. On one well. of those islands, yeah. yeah, exactly. But that's the thing. They, they were worried for a long time that the facial tumour thing, I think it started in the west and it was spreading east. Yeah, yeah, over the years. And they were worried it would just subsume the entire population and wipe the species out. Mm. And so, that was the idea of we need to take like a thousand of these animals and set them up on the mainland away from this so that they're isolated. And even if we don't release them on the, on the mainland in Australia, that's a sort of different, you know, question and problem. We'll have that population that we could potentially reintroduce 
into Tasmania or even just keep taking individuals from and releasing them back into the wild here. And assuming that um, at some stage there is a cure found for this contagious uh, cancer that they get, um, then having that maintaining that population that can be reintroduced uh, is going to be important. The trouble at the moment is that there's not much point in reintroducing them if they're, all you're yeah. doing is just adding to the number that are effectively going to get the disease in the end anyway. Literally pouring fuel in the fire. Yeah. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Me and Noah, he's here as well, smacking the microphone with his spoon. That was another episode of The Goss. Don't forget, guys, if you want to get access to all of The Goss episodes, the transcripts, the MP3s, the videos, the entire episodes from one to, I think we're up to like 40-something now. Yeah, that's it, mate. Um, Just go to aussieenglish.com.au and you can sign up for those. Anyway, I'm Pete, your host. This has been another Aussie English episode. It's a pleasure and I'll see you soon.